He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Father, thank you once again for the opportunity to come into your presence and to stand as a vessel unto your people. I humble myself under your mighty hand that you may exalt me and use me for your service this evening. I pull down every stronghold, every high thing that exalts itself, itself above the knowledge of God. I bring it down in Jesus' name. And I ask, O oh God, that this vessel shall be a vessel unto honor. Cause your word to have free course and be glorified in every life this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You may be I want to speak to you about the woman in the midst of change. The woman in the midst of change. Amen. You know, many times people say, why have a women's meeting? What's so special about women? I keep telling you that men were drawn directly from the soil, but woman was drawn from the side of man. That makes us a more refined species. I know when the Bible does God say that study people, but for us, the refined and sophisticated creation of the Lord, he says, dwell with them according to knowledge. Because you can't just look at us and then figure us out. We are intricate, we are delicate, and we are special. Amen. And so you have to study us to be able to dwell with us. But uh, the other species, when you see them, you can just dwell with them. You know what they are thinking. How they are moving. Amen. The Bible says in Proverbs 31, Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. You can be an excellent woman. Amen. Amen. Even in the midst of daughters doing virtuously, you can do better and be an excellent woman. So in these meetings, may God make us excellent women. Amen. Amen. The woman in the midst of change. Now, change comes to every one of us. Sometimes we change biologically or physically. Even babies go through different developmental stages. At three months, they can do this. At six months, they can do that. My daughter is 10 months old, and she's trying to walk. It's all because of change. And it is something that God has programmed into every human being. So under normal circumstances, whether we like it or not, we are subject to change. 
the minute we come from the cradle huh, to the coffin or the grave, we are subject to change, whether we like it or not. Some of us used to be very slim, but the American diet has done a lot of good, code and unquote, to us, and we have been subject to change. Some of the changes have our cooperation, and some of them don't. Some men have grown pot bellies. You can wonder if they are pregnant too. And it's all because of change. Geographically, the seasons change. Now you have the summer, and it's, it's, it's so hot, hotter than Ghana. And when it changes to summer, you change your clothes to reflect the change. And when winter comes, if you don't change to accommodate the season, the season will still change, but you will suffer for not changing according to the seasons. The woman in the midst of change. Many events in our lives also come and cause change. It may be that you are graduating. It may be childbirth. It may be marriage. It may be bereavement. It may be marital stress, different circumstances, and different things happen that bring change. In the 21st century, we are also living with change in technology. In Ghana, we've had our bit of change. We may not have been as fast as you are, but we have our changes as well. In Legon now, so many students, everybody has a mobile phone. In fact, I know a rice and stew seller who has a mobile phone. It is not a big deal anymore, thanks to technology. And I sometimes try to order tomatoes through this woman. So she calls me on her cell phone to say the tomatoes have arrived, so come for them. Change is happening, whether we like it or not. Now we have flyovers in Ghana, we have ATM machines that we've had for a while. We have fast food joints. I don't know whether they are good or bad, but they are there. And um, we have fun houses that you can take your children to to play. We have different things that were not there before. Whether we like it or not, change is occurring. And we have to either adjust to the change or the change moves on without us. Now let's turn our Bibles to Ecclesiastes 3.17, Genesis 8.22. All right, let's read Genesis first, there we go. Genesis 8.22. I'm not going to be very long tonight. Genesis 8.22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Now let's read Ecclesiastes 3.17. Ecclesiastes is not in the Old Testament. Some of us, we know all the stars, 
the names of all the stars. We know Will Smith, we know this, we know, but we don't know the books of the Bible. God have mercy on us. Ecclesiastes 3.17. Are we there? The second part. For there's a time for every purpose and for every work. For there is a time for every purpose and for every work. Now, if we come to Ecclesiastes 3, 1, reading on, to everything there's a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to gain and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. Amen. Amen. Now this is no... Um, just a little bit of poetry with maybe alliteration and assonance. A time to die and a time to lose. A time to plant and a time to... It's not like that. But it's actually talking about our lives. A time to be born and a time to die. There's a time set for everything. And so change is part of our lives. Life is dynamic. It doesn't always remain the same. Amen. A time to plant... And a time to pluck what is planted. Planting time is different from harvest time. And what we read from Genesis says that as long as God is alive, seed time and harvest, summer and winter, day and night, they shall never cease. So we as women must accept that change is inevitable. Change is part of our lives. And there's nothing we can do in terms of regulating change or regulating events or choosing things that should happen to us and things that should not happen to us. There's a greater being. Amen. And that greater being is in charge. And he decides what we should go through and what we should not go through. And he decides whether you can go through this or you cannot go through that. And he decides the times of your life, even the times that you think you chose yourself, God works his purpose through those times. When we look at the lives of the people of Israel, they were in Egypt under bondage. The Bible says that they cried unto God because of their distress, and God heard them. And God sent Moses, a deliverer. But as soon as Moses came on the scene, change also began to happen. Sometimes change and crisis coincide. And sometimes change and joyful moments coincide. But change will always come. And change can either change you for the better or change you for the worse. The woman in the midst of change. Amen. 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 
Now when the, when Moses came on the scene, the people said that before you even came, things were better. Since you came, Pharaoh has decided not to give us straw. He says that we should go and get the straw ourselves because we are idle. That is why we say that we are going to serve our God. So in the midst of freedom coming, their bondage had multiplied. And many times, people say, when I was not a Christian, things were even cooler. But as I've become a Christian, my trials have multiplied. It is because your time of redemption is near. In the time of freedom, change comes. And that change seems to be worse than anything you ever imagined. But when things get worse, lift up, for your, lift up your head, for your redemption draws nigh. Now when Moses came, change came again. Because they had to have the plagues coming. Hail had to come. The waters had to be turned into blood. So many things happened before they finally set out. When they set out on the road to freedom, like you and I, Christ has set us free. The Bible says we should stand sure in our liberty wherewith Christ has set us free. But as we are set free, change, transition, and differences are coming our way. Amen. So when they were set free and Pharaoh said, you know, you just go. I've had enough of you. It was a triumphant time. And they were marching out. But change came again. The Egyptians started to chase them. And they got to the Red Sea. And they started to murmur against Moses. Where is this that you have brought us? We were even better off. We were not in difficulty. The stress was less. And you say this is a blessing? Look at the Egyptians behind us. And the Red Sea ahead of us. How will we go through this time of sudden change? But God always makes a way. And what happens in the midst of our change is that we focus on the circumstances and we do not see the hand of God. As these people journeyed through the wilderness, many things happened. They experienced change in leadership. Some of their leaders died after they murmured. And God raised other leaders to lead them. They experienced change in their diets. They said, could we not have leeks and garlic and cucumber in Egypt that you have brought us here, change was happening to them. Their geographical position and location even changed. Even if they were slaves, they lived in cities, but suddenly they were in the wilderness where there was no life, there was no sign of hope. Change had come. Amen. Amen. But in the midst of that change, their God had not changed. And that is the secret that they never saw. They always lived within the four walls of their circumstances. And they lived in the four walls of what they were not accustomed to. The reason why you and I resent change is because it's not comfortable. Change shakes our comfort zone and shakes us out of our comfort zone. Change brings insecurity. Because the familiar breeds security. You know what it is. You know what you are about. You can schedule your life. But change suddenly leaves you frightened. And you wonder what next. When the manna came, they said, we need a change of diet. You get me, Moses? The quails are too many. And When they got to the bitter waters of Mara, they said, Moses, why? 
We also come into Christ and in our walk and during our walk of freedom, we come to bitter waters of Mara. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him from them all. If you came to Christ hoping that you will not be afflicted, you've chosen the wrong Savior. He says that your afflictions will be many. And I know that many of you are not happy to hear that because we are faith people. But when we have a big God, it doesn't matter the size of the affliction. We will go through and we will prevail. Amen. Change comes to everybody. The woman in the midst of change. Now at a point, Moses also died. The Bible says that Joshua had a funeral and he was prolonging the funeral. So God said to him, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise. Joshua did not want change. He wanted to live in the same place. And he did not want to move on. The woman in the midst of change. Now you and I experience many changes. Since I came to know the Lord, I have experienced many changes. Some of them have shocked me. Many of them have boosted my faith. And some of them have left me just trusting God each step of the way. Amen. Amen. When you are born, you go to school, you graduate, you, you do all the things that you have to do. And then you get to a certain age and you decide it's time to marry, isn't it? So you get married. But when you get married, unfortunately, you don't live happily ever after. Because change catches up with you. Amen. Change does not even depend on the person you are married to. Your life is programmed by God and change will come. Amen. When we first started the church, and I was in school of hygiene, I was a single sister flowing in the system. The church members were so few that one Sunday afternoon I was able to counsel all the sisters in the church. Because they were few. We started with five. So then, I mean, it was normal. You could just, you know. And after church, every day, every Sunday, I used to serve tea in Bishop's room. The ministry was small. I knew everybody. It was very cozy. But as time went on, change came alone. Amen. And we had to move to the canteen. Now, I recognize that many times when people are recounting maybe their life story, you know, they say that we moved from school of hygiene and went to the canteen. The in-between is not related. Not because they want to forget, but it's just a natural way. That, and from the school of hygiene, we moved to the canteen. from the canteen to the cathedral. And from the cathedral to the basilica. You know? <laughs> but in real life, things don't jump from one stage to the other. In the midst of it is transition, which is also a form of change. So when we moved to the canteen, the church had grown. And I used to say to my husband, so when will we close and go home? Because we had closed and we were there having me said, oh, you know, it's because the church is young and we don't have an office. If we have an office, our life will be more structured. We will have 
real hours and then we'll know the people coming for meetings or counseling and we'll even have a closing time and I mean everything will be more programmed you know so I said okay that's how we used to close at four and it was all right at four four in the afternoon it was cool there was no problem and I always used to say oh when we get this office how life will be different and how I'll have my husband to myself oh glory the Lord will do it And in the canteen, we would also come sometimes, they've locked the door. For some vacant cantankerous administrator who would lock the door and keep the key if he wanted to. So there are times we would have church on the car park outside by the kebab cellar. In fact, it came to a point when there was real change. We were being kicked out of the canteen. And I'm sure you know the story, the church had virtually no money. So where to go? Now there was Ofer across the road. It was Ofer Cinema. I tell you, it was nothing to be desired. It was something else. But there was nowhere to move to. And so Bishop Echo went to talk to this Lebanese man and they had a schedule of payments and all that. So the church moved to Ofer. And incidentally, we were using Bishop's father's office as part of our offices. So he said, you see now, we have offices, so our hours are really going to be, you know, structured. So praise the Lord, hallelujah, God is really moving. But they moved to Agbado, and it didn't get any better. Because as we were moving, God was also increasing his work. The work of God is also dynamic. It doesn't stay at one place. Amen. So as God did that, you know, I have come to a place where I am not looking for any perfect world where all the hours will be structured and things will just be all right. But I have adjusted to the change and I have moved on with it. And the change has made me a better person. And the change has made me grow in the things of God. And by the grace of God, the change did not make me a nagging wife. But change came. As change came, we didn't have branches. Then it came that, oh, now the church is going into branches. You see, I say it sometimes to certain people that when it is announced that, oh, Lighthouse is 250 now, and we all clap, hey, for me it means more. It means giving my husband more to 250 churches. <laughs> Amen. I'm excited about the work of God, but I know that for me, it means slightly more, Pearl, than it means to you. The woman in the midst of change. But the secret is to adjust to that change. Because the seasons don't change. But you can adjust and move with God in the midst of that change. Otherwise, you will become stagnant and you will not go ahead. Remember Lot's wife. Change had come. She was supposed to leave the city. She was supposed to move on and move ahead. But she looked back. God says, behold, I do a new thing. When God is doing a new thing, don't stay in the old things. It's time to move on with the Lord. Amen. And then I got pregnant and also had children. Many of you women here have had children. There's a season in your life when you wonder, did I really go to school? 
me, me that I'm sitting here. Did I really go to school? You know, once I said to Reverend Saki, if I, if I knew that God would come into full time, I would have studied all those big law books, you know. I would have just done some diploma and then flown along. Reverend Saki said, oh no, I'm sure it has helped. And then when I reflected on my life, I agreed with him that it had helped after all. But as you go through the childbearing years of your life, if you do not embrace change as part of God's plan for your life, and move with God in the midst of that change, you will become a bitter woman. First of all, you will become depressed because as your husband goes to work, all that you are left with are diapers, wipes, baby milk, feeding bottles, and toys. You look around and you say, who am I going to chat with? Who's the adult who can bring meaning into my life. You look around and it's your baby pulling at your clothes, <laughs> crying. And sometimes out of your frustration that you don't haven't done anything, you take your Hey, get quiet there, get quiet. You have your own problems to sort out. It's not the baby's fault, but you are taking your frustration unto the baby. Amen. But if you will see your life as a bigger picture, that God has a plan for you in the midst of that change. I have learned at times when I felt that I was stagnant, I was at the same place. Those were the times that God launched me into the ministry of intercession. Because as it was, I was going for meetings and all that, but I could see that I had become limited to some extent. And I would cry out to God, so what is my purpose? God, what is my destiny? And then, one evening, one night, God spoke to me and said, there's no great person I have, not, I have used who has not been through a time of feeling as if nothing is happening. Moses was in the wilderness for 40 years. David was in the cave of Adullam and all that, as if he had not been anointed. Abraham wandered among tents as if he didn't have a place of promise. Joseph was thrown into the dungeon so that he would come closer to God. In the midst of things, when it seems like nothing is happening as you expected, may you find God's call and God's ministry. In the midst of that change, God has a purpose for you. It's not what you may will for yourself. It may not be even what others will will for you. But God is taking you through a process for a purpose. And when you stand next time to minister to women in that category, you will know what you are saying. Amen. The fact that you are in the midst of change does not mean that you should lose your relationship with God. I know that it's a struggle. But the Bible says he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. There are times when I'll be nursing a baby and I'll be speaking. You are asleep even without knowing he knows your frame. He remembers that you are dust. <laughs> Amen. I had to quit work for a year in Ghana to look after our two children because then we didn't have house help. We didn't have enough money. And so I had to live in the midst of change. And Bishop's father and my parents had said that you are two professionals and you are doing this foolish way of living. So nobody is going to sponsor your foolishness. 
It's as simple as that. So then, Bishop was in full-time ministry because then I just had David. And we couldn't even afford baby milk. So he told me that WHO, they say that take a teaspoon of fish powder, a teaspoon of peanut butter, and some oil, and then mix it and give it to the baby. And this is for the very poor under WHO programs, the very, 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 very poor. I had never been through a time of lack and want like that before. But as I look back, I never, by the grace of God, wallowed in self-pity. Or even thought that, ah, but where is this place that this guy has brought me to? This church, is it going to work? I don't know where the grace came from. But I never had those thoughts. And I thank God for paying that price. Because today, by the grace of God, baby Paula can drink more than milk. And she can eat more than fish powder and peanut butter. Amen. But it was in the midst of change. There was so much change that came just to obey God. And just to tell your husband, yes, I believe a God's call is on your life. Go ahead. And because he has this very focused mind, the people and the family would not ask him, that, why are you doing this? They said it a bit. But after I was the one, they would be calling. When he goes out, then they will call me. So what do you say about your husband's uh, decision? <laughs> when I would say, oh, I believe that God has called him. So he has said, it's your foolishness. What your father would say? You want to stand by it? You know? And so it went on for some time. And one day I got a call. Bishop's father said, because you people don't pay rent. And because we put you in this furnished flat, you have uh, hallucinations about life. <laughs> and you think that life is very easy. So I have rented the place out to somebody. So notice by this time, you must move out because it seems life is not, you, you are not seeing life properly. By the grace of God, we managed to move. When we moved, we moved into our own place, but the whole floor was sand. There were no windows, they were all bordered by plywood. Whenever you cooked, the flames would dance like a macariba or something. <laughs> but in the midst of that, you know, I look back and I say, we felt that God has given us some mega blessing, our own place. And it didn't matter whether it was sandy or it was plywood or in the midst of change, God had kept our hearts. And our hearts had not grown bitter. The woman in the midst of change. There are times when you would like to, you have a desire for certain things. There are times when I want to get up, go witnessing, go here, do this. But there's a time for everything. They are saying, you want to push and go ahead. But God is saying that, hey, it's time for you and I to have just a personal relationship. When God launched me into that ministry of intercession, nobody knew. There was no stage. There was no public approval. And I'm still in that ministry today. And God said to me, you are the one who can stay on your knees for your husband. The things that you can pray about, nobody else can pray about because you are in a unique place. And I had never thought of it. It would not have come to me were it not for the season of change. God intends change for good things. Amen. 
But in the midst of change, we become depressed, we despair, and sometimes we think that life is not worth it all. Another change that a woman experiences sometimes is that when she was single, she was single and free perhaps. When she came home, she would eat conflicts. Recently, I counseled a couple just before I came. And I was telling the lady, you know, according to Titus 2, you must provide food for your husband. Then she looked at him. Do you expect that every day? <laughs> you know, things are changing in Ghana, unfortunately. And I said, oh yeah, I mean, the Bible says it. At least you must know that it is your duty. And then other ways in which you can fulfill it. You can plan, you can cook ahead, you can... Lady Pastor, you know something? Yesterday, Saturday night, I ate conflicts. So if he comes to the house and I give him conflicts for dinner, he should not complain. <laughs> These are women of the 90s and of the millennium. <laughs> Amen. And the guy was not so surprised, but he was just looking at her. And then I said, no, you can't say that. So then Bishop came in, Pastor Robert was there, he came in, just to talk about this conflict matter. It was a big issue. <laughs> and she said to me, Lady Pastor, do you know my schedule? Do you know when I close from work? Do you know the stress on the job? And he wants me to come and cook for him in the evening. Ah, it's not happening. She said, my father cooks. My father sweeps. So just as my father does this, he should also... <laughs> adjust himself for that. I said to her, I appreciate it that you are going through change. But God can give you wisdom to go through that time of change. And do not think that when you marry, she said, Lady Pastor, it means that when you marry as a woman, your life is finished. Then I said, no. God intended marriage to be a blessing and not to be a curse. But you must find your place of wisdom in the midst of the changing scenes of life. Amen. Sometimes it is trials and temptations that bring change. You pray to God, you are believing Him for something, you are believing Him for a change in a certain situation, and it doesn't seem to be happening. Sometimes life can be disappointing for the woman. You see, these days when I counsel people, I say, don't set your dreams in iron. Don't cast your dreams in iron. Or in bronze, be malleable, be pliable, be bendable. Don't say, you know, when I, I first got married, or when I was going to get married, I would just picture, oh, my husband and I will come home for lunch every day, you know, because that's what my father did, and how I'll lay the table, and we'll sit opposite each other, and just stare into each other's eyes. Oh, this was heavenly. When I started working and I got married, I myself could not drive to come and lay any, any table and look into anybody's eyes. The drive from Dansoman to ministries. By the time I get there, my lunch break will be over. Your dreams should not be cast in iron. Otherwise, when there's a slight variation, you have a problem because you have already programmed your life. You know, somebody said that when we imagine and we dream, we always control the other party. 
Do you understand? When you dream that, okay, I'm going to marry this man, and he will bring me roses, and he will do this, and he will do... that is not the real person. It's your mind remote controlling the person, and seeing him bring roses, and seeing him call you, and seeing... That, that is, you are in charge of the person's life, but when you come into real life, the person is an individual. And so are you. Amen. So you cannot use your imagination to remote control your life. But the Bible says he knows the plans that he has for us. They are plans of prosperity and not of disaster. To give us a future and to give us a hope. It doesn't matter that you are crying now. It's just the time of change. Weeping may endure for a while, but joy will come in the morning. But you are not supposed to sit in the weeping and make a pity party and say, nobody knows the trouble I see. Jesus knows the trouble you see. The Bible says when you go through any trial, don't behave as if something strange is happening to you. It's not strange. It's common to man. Amen. Everybody will have a challenge of some sort. Some will have more, depending on where they stand. But everybody, the afflictions of a righteous man, there are many. But if God has promised to deliver you out of it all, then you don't have to fear. Sometimes we as women, we face change. When you, you want to marry, you want to change that situation, but it's not coming the way you want it to be. You know, recently I was interceding for some single sisters in church. And God mentioned somebody's name. I mentioned somebody's name. And God said, you know, if I, 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 I give her a wife, or I'd given her a wife last year, a, a husband, they would have divorced by now. What? What is God saying? When I started to reflect on it, I saw that, in fact, God had a point. <laughs> so sometimes we want certain seasons for certain things quickly. But God takes us through things for a purpose. There was a lady, almost getting to her 40s, late 30s, and every time she would see me, she said, Mommy, are you believing God? She said, Mommy, are you praying? She said, Mommy, are you... But... Three weeks ago when I saw her, she said, Mommy, I, this marriage, I don't want it. I want to leave it immediately. I said, oh, why? But you prayed. This man was the miracle of the moment. Why are you now saying? So the things I'm going through, I don't think I can bear it any longer. She started to cry. And she started to mention the things. This happens, that happens, that happens. Sister Mommy, I don't think I can cope. I said to her, isn't it comforting that you don't have to depend on your own strength? But God says that my strength is my grace is sufficient for you. And my strength is made perfect in your weakness. In this time of weakness, you are the best candidate for God's help. Amen. Change. She wanted change. But when change came, she wanted change again. The woman in the midst of change. Disappointments bring changes. Sometimes a guy said he will marry you, he didn't marry you. You planned that I'll do this and do that and do that. And then it's not happening that way because the circumstances are not that way. But God is faithful. With every temptation, he will provide the way of escape. In the midst of change, ask God, what is the lesson you are teaching me in this? I do not ask God to take away the cup 
Sometimes you should be frank and say, God, this cup is difficult to drink. Help me. But if he doesn't take it away, ask him for grace to drink that cup. Ask him for grace to endure because he says that his grace is sufficient for us. The woman in the midst of change. After that, your children will go to school. Then you will come and experience the empty nest syndrome. Some of you women, you build all your lives and your castles on your children. And you leave your husband like a rejected and abandoned stepchild. Now when the children leave the nest, you never cultivated a relationship with your husband. You never cultivated any closeness. I'm not saying it's always your fault, but it's something you must work at. So that when the children leave the nest, you even blow more time. I was listening to Lynette Hagen. She said that since their two children left, in fact, life has become more enjoyable. Because they just have each other and they don't have to sort out problems with the children. The woman in the midst of change. Stamina. A certain strength. A certain grace. The Bible says we should come to him to find mercy and grace to help in time of need. But it takes coming to the throne to find that mercy and that grace. But if now you are waiting, I want to marry, I want to buy a new car, I want to do this, I want to enter the ministry, I want to do this, I want to do this, and God is not doing anything. There's no investment. There's nothing happening in your life. Everything is static. There's no dynamism. You are not moving towards anything that could bring you closer to your God. When the time changes, you will lose out more because you never did anything in your time of change. But in your time of change, the Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. Stay on track. Fight. The greater one is in you. He will give you what it takes to overcome. And like the, the choir sang with Lady Pastor, even when you are not good and when you don't obey, God will still reach out to you. The disappointing situations in life are sometimes our health. You know, we can have health problems. Sometimes you just get married and you have health problems with having a child. Or you get married and your biggest problem is this guy. At first he was your biggest solution. <laughs> now he's your biggest problem. Sometimes the health issue that you think you have to fight all the time. Remember the great apostle Paul. He had a thorn in the flesh. And he asked God to take it away. And that was when God said, my grace is sufficient for you. May you tap into God's grace this evening. May you know the time of your visitation in the midst of change. May you not resent change, but may you know that the architect of your life is in charge. May you know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to You didn't imagine that your marriage would be broken now. In the midst of change, God never changes. The word of God is still true. He's bigger than your emotions. He's bigger than your head. He's bigger than your wounds. He's bigger than your disappointments. And that God can create things that don't even exist. Because out of nothing, he said, let there be light. And there was light. And if God just has to speak to, think, to bring things into being on your behalf, he will do it. In spite of all the trauma... In spite of all the wounds, he has promised, I will heal thee of all thy wounds. I will rebuild the waste cities and the ruined cities and the desolations. I, God, will rebuild it. He's not saying you will rebuild it. 
He's not saying it's going to take you. It's just going to take you to trust him. Finally, I want us to look at one woman whose life suffered many changes. We we'll ran through it. And that woman was Naomi in the book of Ruth. Naomi in the book of Ruth. I'll just mention the changes she went through. She left in the time of farming to go to the land of Moab. She left Bethlehem in the time of farming to go to the land of Moab in the midst of plenty. She went as a wife to Moab, but she left as a widow. She stayed in Moab as a mother of two children, but she left as a mother of none. She went and she had two daughters-in-law, but she left with only one. She lost her relationship with one daughter-in-law and enriched her relationship with the other. She went as Naomi, which means pleasantness, and she came back as Mara, which meant a woman in bitterness. She said, call me not Naomi anymore, for the hand of the Lord has gone against me. Call me Mara. That is what Naomi said about herself. She was bitter that the Lord had gone against her. But in the midst of it all, she kept her faith. She said she was too old to have a husband. I think that is Ruth 2 verse 12. She said, I went out full. And the Lord has brought me home again empty. I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. She came at the beginning of the barley harvests. They had left in farming time in Moab. She left Bethlehem to go to Moab in the midst of plenty. But as she was in Moab, she suffered farming and she left Bethlehem again in the midst of plenty in Bethlehem. She left the family and returned with her daughter-in-law. And at the end of it all, she began to see God's faithfulness again. And she said, Blessed be the Lord who hasn't forsaken his kindness to the living and to the dead. In Ruth chapter 4 verse 13, the people said to her, God has not left you without a close relative. May his name be famous in Israel. They were talking about her, her, her child through Boaz. May he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. When she had Boaz coming into her life, the people of Israel said to her, May he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. Your daughter-in-law is better than seven sons. She lost two sons, but now at the end of her life, in the midst of all the changes, they said, your daughter-in-law is better to you than seven sons. Naomi took Ruth's son and put her on her bosom and nursed him. She became the grandmother she never dreamt that she would become. Because when Ruth was following her, she said, I don't have any more children in my womb to give you. So please don't follow me. But the Bible says that she took the son of Boaz, Obed, I think, and nursed him in her bosom. He became like a son to Naomi. And through that, the lineage of Jesus came. Naomi's life may sound like a sad story to you, but it had a happy ending. Because in the midst of all the changes, her God never changed. And so it is with you. 
Do not let the emotions cloud what God wants to do in the midst of your change. Do not let the circumstances bog you down because lift up your eyes and see your redemption draws nigh. For we walk by faith and not by sight. It took a step of faith for Naomi to become all the things that God wanted her to be. Woman, in the midst of your change, I promise you many more changes are coming. But Jesus Christ, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And even when you call yourself Mara and you are bitter, he's still God. The Bible says if we deny him, he cannot deny us because he cannot deny himself. So even in the midst of you not obeying, in the midst of you not making the mark, God still remains God. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And you will make it in the midst of any change. God bless you. Shall we stand? I just want you to talk to God now. You're not supposed to be afraid of change. God cares if you perish. The disciples asked Jesus, carry us down not if we perish. He cares. And he just wants you to put your hand in his and he will walk you through that change. May you learn all that God wants you to learn in the midst of change. May God make you a better person in the midst of change. May you become pleasantness again in the midst of change. Just talk to God. Tell him to give you grace. For anything in your life now, anything that is ahead, God will give you the grace that it takes. Amen. How great is our God. How great is his name. Yeah, he is the greatest of all. Minister to you. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. 
the strengthener, the teacher, the guide. And he wants you to yield yourself to him this evening. It doesn't matter what your life has been like. It doesn't matter the disappointment and the pain. It doesn't matter even the trials. Change will come. God wants to heal you. God wants to restore you. God wants to strengthen you and to tell you that he will bring you through and it's going to be all right. He rode back in waters Again, he rolled back the waters. He rolled back the waters off the mighty Red Sea. Off the mighty Red Sea. And he said, I'll lead you. And said, I'll lead you. Put your trust in me. Thank you, Jesus. Before she sits down, I, I want Lady Pastor to pray for as many ladies and even gentlemen who are here tonight going through some type of situation. I realize the key is recognizing that it is not that things are bad or that times are rough but that you are going through a change and if it's a change then it's positive then it's not as bad as you think it is it's just a change it's different it's not what you've been used to but it's a change that God has put together and God has planned to come to pass in your life as it is right now so I want you to raise up your hand if you're here and you're going through some situation like that. You're in some kind of change, some different situation, some difficult circumstance. You are walking on a road you haven't been before. You did not know it was going to be like this. It is different. It is strange. You're in a strange place. I believe God wants to help you. The place is different. But God is still the same. I want you to raise up your hand if you're here like that. If you're a lady or you're a man, you're going through some change, some difficult situation, just raise up your hand and just surrender to prayer. I believe that God wants to touch and help you tonight in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The Lord is saying that he has promised to give you your daily bread. He says, do not go beyond that. And begin to imagine, because your imagination is worse than the reality. That he, God, can make things happen suddenly. He can create things that do not exist. What is impossible with men is possible with God. You are here and you are going through a time of change. 
You are battling with depression and despair. You need answers from his throne. He says, our Father in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. God is prepared to give you the grace and the mercy that you need for each day. And he wants you to depend on him in all the days that are ahead from time to time. If you have your hand up, I just want you to tap into the presence of God that we have here now and into his power. Lord, I lift up your people before you this evening. Especially, Lord, many women that are going through transition and going through change. Lord, many things that we do not understand. Many things that may not be the ideal. But I thank you that there was no patriarch that you called that did not go through a time of ever-increasing change. I lift up these people before your throne of grace. I ask for mercy in our time of need. I ask for supernatural strength, oh God. I ask for the joy of the Lord to be their strength. I ask for a breaking of bondages and limitations. I come against the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear that all is lost and all is gone. I pray, oh God, for a recreation of good situations in their lives. I speak forth life where there's no life, Lord. I speak light where there's darkness. I speak hope where there's hopelessness. In the name of Jesus. And I commit that change into the able hands of God. And I speak and say, you will make it through that change. Oh, Spirit of God, touch them at that point. Touch them at that place where they may have no one to strengthen them and no one to encourage them. Thank you, God, that you are the captain of their souls. And I thank you for answered prayer. Thank you that many shall stand in this very place to testify of your goodness. Grant them patience, Lord, for your word says that we have need of patience so that after we have done your will, we may inherit the promises. This evening we inherit your promises in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for answered prayer. Amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 243 187900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.